Welcome to The Baseball Show, Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000 with our new ESPN Chicago app. The The Baseball Baseball Show Show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Colomade, one of the best in the league. On the ground, right side. Knicks got it. Sox win. White Sox get the job done in their first game of the series on NBC Sports Chicago. Welcome to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Hit me up on Twitter as well at ESPN MLB Show, at ESPN MLB Show. If you're a Cubs fan, Sox fan, fan of baseball, this is the show for you every night after Waddle and Sylvie right here on ESPN 1000. Well, here's my first pitch. Play ball! Chicago, the White Sox have won five straight all on the road. Six and four in their first ten games. So, a couple of news and notes for you from last night's game. Starter Carlos Rodon was pulled after two innings with left shoulder soreness. Detweiler came in. Colome was able to work the ninth for his second save. But what resonated with me the most about the White Sox is that we're seeing some terrific offense, even though the starting pitching is concerning. Here's what I mean. Jose uh, Jose Abreu hit a, t- a tying two-run homer in the seventh inning. Garcia scored on a wild pitch in the eighth, and Yohan Moncada he added a solo shot in the ninth to li- lift the Sox to a 6-4 victory against Milwaukee. The concern for the Sox is their pitching staff. What looked once as a deep rotation for the White Sox, now you're looking at Lucas Giolito, who will be on the mound, Dallas Keuchel, and Dylan Cease, Giolito, Keuchel, Cease. Now, Giolito, his first outing was not very good in the opener against Minnesota, but it looked more like Giolito the last outing. Keuchel has been steady, ex- exactly what I expected when he came to the White Sox, bringing that veteran presence over to this White Sox team. And Dylan Cease, not so good the first time, but last time, pretty good outing for him. Now, the question marks are... Players like Lopez, who's on the I.L., and also now Carlos Rodon, who's on the I.L. with left shoulder soreness. So if you're a White Sox fan, clearly you are encouraged by the amount of offense that you have seen as of late, including this five-game winning streak all on the road, (laughs) unbelievably. But you're concerned about the starting pitching staff. And even though Colomay closed the door and you're starting to get some really good relief pitching as of late last couple of games from the White Sox, you want to know who can take the ball uh, to start games besides those three I mentioned in Cease and Keuchel and Giolito. Mazzara made his debut, pinch hitting for Engel in the sixth. Then he flied out, but he contributed one of the uh, opposite field singles in the decisive eighth inning. So Mazzara, who we're incomplete on just as of yet, we don't know what he can do because he's been on the IL and was able to make an outing uh, and make the game yesterday. And Lori Garcia and Moncada, they both had uh, three hits apiece, while Luis Robert reached base three times from the leadoff spot. So... Here's what's cool about Robert. There's a lot of things, right? 
Dude had his first multi-walk game. As I just said in yesterday's show, he doesn't like the batter's box very much because it seems like he's swinging on the first, second, or maybe sometimes the third pitch. But he doesn't spend a lot of time in the box, and usually he, something positive happens offensively. But he had his first multi-walk game as well as his first multi-steal game, swiping second with ease both times. We've seen it all now. <laughs> so now we've seen him the entire array. Takes up a lot of space in the outfield as an outfielder. And then when he comes to the plate, Robert does a great job of being able to get his pitch. Everything looks like a beach ball to him right now. And that's because pitchers have not seen Robert before. He seems like that he can be able to hit the outside pitch inside, especially a high fastball. It has been really, really good uh, for Robert so far with the White Sox. As you're listening to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Craig Council, the manager for the Brewers, uh, he went to his bullpen early just like uh, Renneria had to do for the White Sox. And Corbin Burns took over for Anderson in the fourth inning on the mound for Milwaukee, and he was dealing. He looked pretty good. He navigated through the fourth and the fifth and the sixth innings while allowing just a pair of singles and a walk, but things start to unravel. Council left Burns in way too long, and you have to determine whether or not your guy is a long man or a short man uh, for maybe a third, uh, maybe an inning. Uh, maybe for two innings, but Burns is out there. And yeah, he was comfortable. But at some point, you got to realize that when the gas tank is hitting E. And so things start to unravel a little bit for Burns, uh, a little bit in the seventh as he attempted to work through his fourth inning. But the Sox come out on top. And so here's what we know so far. We know that the White Sox had problems against two of the top teams in American League Central with the Indians and the Twins. And so now they're taking on... Kansas City are taking on they beat Kansas City they're taking on Milwaukee so we're just trying to determine exactly the balance with this team it didn't start off well losing the first couple of series but beating Kansas City and taking on Milwaukee a very good National League opponent it, it's uh it, it'll be daunting to say the least for the Sox to be able to move forward through this with just Keuchel and Giolito and a question mark in cease as a starting uh one of the starters for uh, the White Sox. Let's go back in time and hear some of those highlights for the White Sox as Abreu comes through, Moncada comes through in a big way. High fastball, rock to center field. Garcia back at the track. It's gone! Bring him home and bring a tie to the scoreboard. Jose saw everything in that last at bat, and there was nothing left for Burns. Not on that pitch, and it gets away! Here comes Garcia, and the Sox take the lead. Oh, goodness, what a game this has been. 3-2 in the air, right field. Way back to the wall, and out of here. Enough carry to clear the wall. Gamble had no shot. It's 6-4 Sox. So there's Jason Benetti on the call on NBC Sports Chicago. We mentioned earlier about Rodon for the White Sox. Uh, is on the injured list. Some thoughts now from Rick Renneria on his condition. We were looking at him from the first inning. He was, you know, kind of fidgeting quite a bit. He came in, um, went right in, didn't didn't complain about anything. Um, he went back out. Um, obviously, his velocities were down a little bit. Well, not a little bit, enough. 
uh, he came in and, and uh, we were already talking about it. And, and uh, once he came in, he just said he was uh, feeling a little something in his neck. And, um, you know, the ball wasn't coming out of his hand right, which is what we could see. And we were already preparing to uh, make a change at that point because we saw what, he, what it looked like. And, uh, and then we had him checked out. And so right now he's got uh, a little uh, shoulder uh, soreness. And uh, they'll evaluate him tomorrow, and, and then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, if you're a Sox fan, you've seen this a little bit too often, right, where the pitching coach Don Cooper or Renteria's got to come out and take a look at some of that young talent and uh, on the mound, and you got to take him out. And that's what happened yesterday, but the Sox were able to prevail. Tonight's going to be Lucas Giolito, 6.52 ERA, makes his third star of the season, second on the road and first against a National League team. One and six with a 70 RA in interleague play, by the way, for Giolito. So keep your eyes on that against Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers. The line is Milwaukee minus 129. The over-under is eight for this game, eight runs for this game. As it was um, a lot of runs scored yesterday. We'll see what happens uh, coming up tonight as the Sox continue to try to keep their winning streak going. I'll get your thoughts here, Sean. We get up the phone lines, 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. If you watched the Sox game yesterday, if you watched the Cubs game yesterday, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw yesterday, the uh, encouraging things that you saw from your favorite team. What stands out most about what you've seen so far with your favorite team? Uh, there's a couple of things in the game, that as I mentioned, with the White Sox that is good and some that are questionable, especially when it comes to this rotation, but the offense you take a look at Mazzara coming through, Robert, Louis Garcia, uh, Moncada, uh, a lot of offense there against Milwaukee. So uh, definitely a positive in the right direction. Coming up, we'll talk about the Cubs. The uh, Cubs, they're looking really, really good as well. They continue their hot streak. We'll uh, discuss the Cubs and also a possible bubble plan for baseball. Is this possible? We'll get to that and more on the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Welcome to The Baseball Show. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Catch up on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile for the podcast on the new ESPN Chicago app. This is The Baseball Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Home for Sports. Phillips stands well off the plate. Runner goes. Pitches outside. Out! Boy, Baez does such a great job of letting that ball come in deep instead of going out and grabbing it. Looks like a modified pitch out as we'll wait on the Royals to see if they'll challenge it. Yeah, you're spot on. Watch, watch Javi. Instead of going out to get that ball, he just waits and waits and waits and... Mondes seeing the ball get there at the same time. That's just beautiful work by Baez. Singer's already here. Chris Bryant out into deep left center. Gone! A home run! His first of the year. Somehow he got it out of here into the stiff wind. Cubs on a roll as well at Clark and Addison. Highlight courtesy of the Marquee Network. Jonathan Hood with you on the baseball show. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you. 
312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number for the baseball show. If you're a Cubs fan, White Sox fan, fan of Major League Baseball, this show's for you. Uh, every night after Wallen Sylvie, we also have our community on Twitter as well, at ESPN MLB Show, at ESPN MLB Show, uh, for a lot of the videos that you might have missed or stories you might have missed. Uh, seven days a week, we're always on there giving you stories that you might have missed or stories that you're interested in for Major League Baseball right there at ESPN MLB Show. How about the Cubs, right? So out of all the surprises for the Cubs, one of them for sure is Mills. He allowed three hits, struck out four, and walked three uh, at Wrigley Field. Mills got a chance to start when Jose Quintana had surgery on his left thumb last month, but the right-hander is making a strong bid to keep his spot in the rotation. Why not? That's one of the surprises. It's a lot of surprises all over baseball uh, in this city, but Mills definitely is it. He has been very, very effective. So, you know, Chris Bryant with his homer in his return. Bryant has struggled a little bit here, uh, but he was able to come through here. Mills pitched an effective uh, seven innings, which was uh, great. And the Cubs were able to get the job done with their fourth consecutive victory. You know, overall, the Cubs seemed locked in in every aspect of the game. I was reading Sahada Sharma from the athletic.com talking about this number. This is a an interesting stat. He says the offense has been strong with different players stepping up. The defense has been stout thus far. The Cubs entered Monday night's game Second in baseball with 12 defensive runs saved on the year. So the reason why I want to stop there and talk about that is under Madden over the last couple of years, I think it has been really disappointing the defense for the Cubs. I mentioned when the season started about how they looked so uh, amateurish and so minor league when they're doing that rundown play uh, earlier in the season. It's just like, you know, you got to be better than that. It's one thing to get beat, but you can't beat yourself. And so when you see 12 defensive runs saved, and again, it's a sample size because the season just started. The point is, though, is that good defense is going to help the Cubs a long way because I've not seen it enough the last couple of seasons. So you'll like that 12 defensive run save. They made multiple strong plays against the Royals with David Bode barehanding a few rollers. And, and, you know, as much as I would love to have Brian over there every day at third base, Bodie plays a nice third base. He does a nice job over at third base. So, again, that's a positive as well. I looked at Cubs Insider this morning, and they were not only talking about the defense, but the offense for David Bodie. Impressive start for David Bodie. Um, looking at his numbers, Bodie's fast offensive start can be partially attributed to a greater plate discipline. The utility infielder swung at nearly 32% of his pitches outside the strike zone in 2019. Uh, now it's at 22 outside the zone. So, again, you're looking for incremental success. And for David Ross, you're just looking for someone you could trust out there. If you put Brian in left field, I'm not a fan of that, but if you're going to put him in left field, and if Bodie can play the position well and solid, you'll take it over at third base. And now you've got Bodie's bat that he's a little bit more disciplined offensively, and he's able to give you something um, on the defensive end at third base. As you're listening to, to the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Tom is in Glendale Heights with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay Hood. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan of the show. Thank you. 
So, uh, Jared, like as, as a White Sox fan, you know, there are obvious concerns that a lot of people talk about. Um, mm-hmm. The pitching, the defense, uh, the fact that the White Sox love to trade international bonus pool money, that just drives me insane. But, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> there's two other concerns that I have. And like the first one is, why am I reading that the White Sox are, are talking about cutting uh, funds to player development? Um, no, I, I understand we are in a pandemic. I understand that. I also understand that this seems to be a trend that all of baseball is leaning towards, but not, well, not necessarily all of baseball, but that some teams are leaning towards. But I want, I want a dynasty. And let's be real now, to Jerry's credit, to defend him, because I, I try to be fair, he gave the guys three months' notice, and, you know, he has continued to pay his White Sox and Bulls employees, and that's a good thing, and we should recognize that. But let's be real about something. One, the White Sox don't pay rent. And two, uh, you know, in the three-year rebuild that we've had, the White Sox has saved, like, over $100 million in payroll. So I don't want to hear us playing cheap on this. I want a dynasty. Keep investing that money in player development. The next problem I have is, and, you know, this is this is something that nobody really talked about, but the White Sox signed seven undrafted players after the Major League Baseball draft. Mm-hmm. The Cubs signed ten Kansas City Royals signed seven. Now, and, and I want to be I want to be clear about this. I'm not picking on these two individuals that I'm going to talk about. They are family. Of course, they are welcome. But two of the guys, one of the guys is Ty Madrigal, who is Nick Madrigal's twin brother, and the other guy is Assad father's son. Now, those two guys were coming here anyways, and like I said, they are family. Of course, they are welcome. But where's the other five guys? I mean, you, at 20000 a pop, spend hundred k and sign five more guys. It's a, it's a good point, uh, and I appreciate your telephone call. Let me get, get to the, your first point, because I saw this from Ken Rosenthal, and that was from TheAthletic.com. So, yeah, so I saw that same story that you saw. As a matter of fact, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, we talked about some of the key figures in the minor league system for the White Sox that were going to be let go at the end of the season. So that story was not a surprise, but it dug a little deeper, and just so people know what you're talking about. The pandemic was the driving force behind the White Sox decisions, according to Rosenthal. The Major League Baseball season is going to open up without fans in the stands, of course. On Wednesday, Jerry Reinsdorf told the USA Today, and that probably is um, Nightingale, that he was facing financial losses that are in the nine figures across his two franchises because of the reduction in revenue during the pandemic. Tom, I, I know what you're saying, and the one thing I've gotten on the Cubs about is um, from the Cubs standpoint is you can develop while you are trying to win. Uh, the idea that the Cubs don't have quality p- people in the pipeline that's ready to come up and help this team like this year or next year is problematic. You've got to have value for that. But from the White Sox standpoint, yes, they do have value in the minor league system, which is a totally different uh, direction than Kenny Williams was going versus how Rick Hahn is going. Because Rick Hahn did value the minor league system, where Kenny Williams would trade those assets to try to win now. And I appreciate the aggressiveness, but if it doesn't work, you deserve to have all the slings and arrows uh, put your way. So, you know, I'm not going to make any excuses for Reinsdorf. You are correct. You want to be able to keep those resources going. Um, But I think Reinsdorf looks at it from this standpoint. 200, almost $200 million in payroll uh, on free agency for the White Sox. That's a, that's a real commitment financially, something we have not seen from the White Sox in a long time. Uh, 
So they're able to get Encarnacion and others uh, with Mazzara and Grandal and others, Keichel, as part of a, almost a $200 million commitment, and I appreciate that. The other thing is, though, is that if that is going to stress the finances for Reinsdorf and the Sox, and you have to be able to you know, kind of cut the fat on the team, and you figure, well, we got to do something with our minor league systems because of how much money we're losing – you know, if you have to do that from a business standpoint, that's fine. But don't forget the bigger the bigger point. The big issue is about the future. It's about it's about now, but it's about the future to continue to crank out quality in that pipeline. And hopefully this will not stop the White Sox from being able to have quality coming through that pipeline. Yes, they are cutting Brian Little and a few others that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. The hope is, though, that it is not a huge detriment to the White Sox as far as our farm. And the same thing with the Cubs. Cubs shutting the water off financially, not happy about that. After the Chatwood and Darvish signings, Ricketts cut the water off, and you think, okay, how else are you going to get better? How do the Dodgers, how come the Dodgers keep knocking on the door? It's because they keep spending money trying to break through, trying to win the World Series. You just don't stop. You know, everyone's losing money. But it, but the idea that the Major League Baseball or some of these teams are just completely broke, they got nothing, that's not true. They, of course they do. They've got money. Um, that they have to choose to spend it. That's the thing. Um, so so that's a good point, Tom. I'm glad you checked in. I appreciate your phone call. He leaves line open. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. Uh, I was talking about the Cubs. As the Cubs uh, will go out there again this evening, it's going to be Brady Singer, the right-hander, against Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, you talk about surprises for the Cubs. There it is right there. I talked earlier about the defensive run saved. But the other thing is, is that Hendricks, starting off the season as a number one, it was a head-scratcher for some people. It's like, oh, shouldn't that be Lester's spot? No, Hendricks has been fine. Uh, Hendricks was fine the first game. The second game could have been better. That is for sure. Could have been better. He's got a 4.05 yard away. He wants to be able to bounce back. Remember, he allowed six runs and seven hits over four and a third in that 12-7 loss against Cincinnati. But, again, I expect him to just be steady. Once the season's done, I expect him to be steady because I don't think we'll ever see him as a number one or even a number two on a good team. He'll just be steady for the Cubs. Um, Bryant, as I mentioned, started off slowly, started the season two for 22. He began to show signs of life toward the end of the Red Series, hitting the ball hard a few times, and, of course, a catalyst last night. Uh, so tonight it is Singer against Hendricks. The over-under for runs is 7.5. Uh, the Cubs are favored minus 210 in the game tonight uh, for the Cubs and the Royals. All right, coming up next, could there be a dome for the playoffs in the future? Also, we will hear from Robert Flores, his thoughts from the Major League Baseball Network. He's there doing MLB Central every day with uh, former Cub Mark DeRosa. We'll get his thoughts about the Cubs and Sox and a few other things when it comes to Major League Baseball. As you're listening to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company, Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood. Week 9 on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cubs, Sox, so, so much, more. much more. This is the Baseball Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show at ESPN MLB Show for the Baseball Show. Cub fans, Sox fans, 
MLB fans, this is the show for you after Wallen and Sylvie. Every night at 6 right here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget to check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Robert Flores, I got a chance to talk to him earlier. He's a guy that uh, hosts MLB Central on, on the MLB Network. Got a chance to talk to him about the Cubs and Sox and a few other things. I asked Robert his thoughts about the Cubs and their starting pitching with Chatwood and Mills. They've really come out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, you throw in um, also what Alec Mills has been, mm-hmm. been able to do as well. And uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do or what they decide to do when Jose Quintana is uh, is ready to go. Because do you take out – I mean, do you – do you put him back in? And, and I mean, where does Alec Mills go? He de- I think he deserves to keep going at this rate. Tyler Chatwood, it seems like he has certainly unlocked something. The stuff has been there. Uh, the command, more importantly, now is there. Uh, and, and Lester is what Lester always is, which is, uh, you know, just a stalwart and, and kind of the, the – the, definitely the lead dog on that staff. Um, it, it's been remarkable to see. Um, and and I, I think that in this type of situation, in this short of a season, that if a team like the Cubs, where maybe there was some uncertainty, new manager and David Ross, uh, we've had some disappointment recently. But if we get off to a hot start, we start to believe in ourselves, and it kind of snow, snowballs and certainly in a, in a positive direction. The... the, the... The idea of having a manager, Robert, that has no experience is almost exclusive to baseball. Yeah. I get a little bit in basketball a little bit. Uh, but if you're just a good baseball guy like Ross, Ross mm-hmm. uh, is part of the championship team, goes to ESPN for two or three years, and then they say, you know, since you've been hanging around the team, wouldn't you like to manage? And I think Ross <laughs> is going back and forth thinking about it and becomes the manager. And it's that's not how it was when you and I were coming up. You had to get on the no. buses and be a third base coach, first base coach, manage. But Ross is just a good people person. And so the storyline I had coming into this was – Okay, the same guy that was uh, the teammates of Rizzo and Bryant in that core is now the boss. How does that work? And so, but so far, so good, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I think um, is interesting in that in, in these, in this climate, in these conditions that everyone is playing under, where there are no fans. Uh, you know, it's a weird atmosphere. I, I would think that the the energy has to come from within, has to come from within that clubhouse. And I think David Ross is the perfect fit for that because you know he's the type of personality that is going to generate some energy, going to, you know, really force guys to, you know, bring something to the yard, bring some juice because you're not going to be able to get it from fans. You're not going to be able to get it from opposing fans so where do you get it from? It has to start from within, has to start from that clubhouse. And I, and I think uh, David Ross has done a, a really good job in, in doing that. And uh, what, what he has done so far, and granted, we're just you know still relatively early, but as I said, I, I, I think he, he's done an excellent job so far. 
the White Sox on the other side of town uh, with the young talent mixed with veterans. It's amazing when you spend $192 million, which you can get um, uh, in free agency. That's exactly what the White Sox did after just getting beat down for a while, Robert. They just decided, okay, we need to be able to match up with the Twins and how they can mash. And so here we are and being able to spend money. But the the pleasant surprise of the young players like like Robert, uh, he's just been terrific so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I know during the during the shutdown, I, I talked with Lucas Giolito, uh, and he said, you know, uh, as as heavily hyped as Luis Robert was, uh, he's even better. Um, I, I I had heard a lot about him. I knew he was special, but seeing him every day prepare, play, get in the cage, he's better than I thought. Um, so he is a. You know he's a potential cornerstone. Um, I, I, I they I wonder if they have enough pitching, right? Um, you, you know I know there's concerns about uh, about Rodon's uh, velocity. Uh, Giolito has a has a pretty significant start, uh, you, you know, this week against the the Milwaukee Brewers. So that needs to be straightened out and figured out. I, I really wish that Michael Kopech had had um, been available to play. Um, I, I wanted to see how he was going to bounce back uh, after after Tommy John surgery. But hey, you look at all the pitching injuries that are going on throughout the league. I do not fault any guy, especially a pitcher, deciding that maybe this isn't the right season to to kind of ramp it up. But I, I think the White Sox are going to be really, really special in a short amount of time. Maybe they'll be special this year. Robert Flores from MLB Central. You can watch it on the MLB Network, 9 to noon Central. He joins me, Jonathan Hood of the Baseball Show, presented by Goose Island Beard Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, so it's it's the first thing I watch in the morning. I get up because I work late late nights. And I get up and I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes. Did I see Nick Castellanos, the possibility to be MVP? Did it, was that on your show to, this morning? I, we kind of floated that idea that uh, he's off to the kind of start that, uh, you know, would warrant some, some MVP consideration. And, and I think Mark, DeRos- Mark DeRosa, former Cub, uh, he, he brought up the great point of, you know, he's really been a different player ever since he put on a Cubs uniform. Uh, now, of course, he's in, in Cincinnati. But I, I think that uh, J.P. Morosi had something interesting he told us this morning that uh, Castellanos – uh, had, you know, just from David Bell got the impression and, and just from talking with Castellanos and watching him prepare that Nicholas wants to be an MVP. He wants that pressure. He wants that uh, notoriety and he, and he's willing to work for it. And, and the, the work is paying off. I mean, he is such a force in that lineup. And I, and I think Cincinnati, um, you know, they had a little bumpy start, uh, had to, you know, Joey Vo was on the on on the IL for some COVID related illnesses, and they lose a series to the Tigers, and everyone's going, "Well, what's wrong with the Reds?" Well, you know, they got enough starting pitching, Bauer, Castillo, and Sonny Gray, where uh, if the bullpen gets right and that offense keeps rolling, they could definitely be a force in, in that division. So, what does your gut say, Robert? Do we get through these sixty games into the playoffs? Man, I hope so. Um, I, I I don't know. I can't give you an answer because we it, it's so hard to predict. I mean, I, I think it is literally day by day. I mean, today, you know, John Heyman uh, reporting on our show, no new, no new positives for the Cardinals, no new positives for the Marlins. So the Marlins are playing tonight. So, I mean, that's how 
day to day, almost hour to hour, it feels like because, um, you know, we've never seen anything like this. The virus is so unpredictable. It is such a uh, a, a ruthless and vicious enemy. And, uh, you know, it it really could come down to and I'm not being facetious when I say this, it really could come down to which team does the best job of social distancing, of managing all the protocols, of being that vigilant. I mean, and and that's just crazy to sound like which team can handle the virus the best is ultimately going to want going to be the one that wins the World Series. But that that's where we are. That's that's the situation we find ourselves in. So to speculate of yeah, they're definitely going to finish or no way this thing gets finished. I think it's foolhardy because we just don't know. We come back. We will hear from Jeff Passan from Wadland Sylvie. Also, we'll play five for five. The baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company right here on ESPN 1000. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. An inside look at the Cubs, the White Sox, and all of Major League Baseball. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Glad you're with me right here for the baseball show right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Follow along on Twitter at ESPN MLB show and at ESPN MLB show. White Sox and Cubs have been playing some terrific baseball and we give you the lineups for both teams. Let me see here for the Chicago Cubs. The lineup is uh, pretty much the same. A few changes. Bryant Rizzo Baez. Schwarber is the DH, Contreras the catcher, Hayward in right, Souza plays left field, Kipnis at second, and Hap in center field with Hendricks on the mound. And for the White Sox, Robert at the top of the lineup, you know, Ozzie Guillen, <laughs> you just knew that Ozzie Guillen, if he becomes a pre and post guy for the White Sox, that he's going to have a lot to say. He's got a lot to say. I hope he can keep his job. Because uh, you love that honesty, right? It's kind of like Barkley with TNT or Kenny Smith or Shaq when they do their thing for the NBA. You want someone not just as a personality, but someone's going to tell you the truth. It's 2020. Don't lie to us and circumvent and go around and double talk. Just give give us the information. Give us the strong opinion the way we like it. And so uh, Ozzy was the first on top of that put Robert earlier in the lineup, higher in the lineup. Uh, Robert is playing center field and leading off because Tim Anderson is out on the injured list. So Robert in center, Moncada at third, Abreu at first, Grandal the catcher, Jimenez in left, Encarnacion the DH, Mazzara in right field, Garcia at short, Madrigal at second, Giolito on the mound for the Chicago White Sox. Now time for 5-4-5. Five, Five for five right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we give you five topics in five minutes. Sean Davis has his five at the ready. Tonight, the theme is what matters, Hood? What matters? So let's start out. Last night, Giants pitcher Johnny Cueto, he went into his quirky windup, and he stumbled halfway through. He was able to recover, throw a changeup on the outside corner, and retire the batter. Name me your top three pitchers with funky motions or windups. 
Well, you like the guys that can spin and turn and look at second base and then still be able to throw in one motion. I tried that and didn't work very well when I was a kid. But Gene Garber and Luis Tiant is in that category. Gene Garber from the Atlanta Braves and Luis Tiant from Boston. Um, you love the guys that throw submarine like um, Kent Tocolvi and Dan Quisenberry. That's a different category of just guys throwing from underneath. Um, but my number one choice is... I believe someone who's from Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, a former uh, reliever for the Sox in the 80s, and that is uh, Tom Brennan, the Flamingo. What he would do is that he'd put his his leg up and just hold it for like 10 seconds and then throw. That's why he was called the Flamingo. You can look it up on Baseball Reference. The Flamingo, Tom Brennan is the top of my list. Yeah, Mike Mussina for me was always weird, looking like an armadillo and his wind up. Yanis Cespedes opted out on Sunday, as we know. And immediately, the Francisco Lindor to the Mets rumors immediately took off. What are the other suitors or teams that might come after the shortstop for the Cleveland Indians? Okay, so if Lindor is the best, okay, so then we have to look at Fernando Tatis and Javi Baez and Young Mondesi, Bogarts, uh, Bo Bichette, Corey Seager, and of course Tim Anderson is on that list. Uh, Elvis Andrews, you think about some of the better shortstops in the game, so those teams don't need it. Uh, But the question is, those that do need it, what are they willing to give up? Like the Brewers, for instance, or the Tigers. What are they willing to give up for someone like Lindor, uh, if that is going to be a trade? You know, Indians fans will still want to hold on to their team. I can understand that, but you would not surprise me if Lindor ends up someplace else and they unplug that thing because Minnesota's strong and the, and the Sox are on the come. Clayton Kershaw made his debut for the Dodgers last night, tossing five and two-thirds shutout innings. We know that he's a Hall of Famer. We know that he's an ace. We know that he's a great pitcher. But at this point in his career, does the regular season even matter? Yeah, it matters. Yeah, I think it matters. Um, I think it matters for everybody because you want to be able to establish yourself uh, to lead yourself into the playoffs. Yeah, for Kershaw, yeah, absolutely. Um, every out, every chance I get a chance to listen to him on the radio or watch him, uh, he's one of the best pitchers that we're watching in the game. So his performance in the regular season does matter because you want him to be able to, to establish himself as the Dodgers get ready for another postseason. More than likely, it's going to be another successful postseason for L.A. What the experts always talked about what the toughest divisions would be, what the best teams would be. You got teams like the Padres with their start, the Rockies and the Orioles throwing a wrench in all of that. So in your opinion right now, what is the best division in all of baseball? Well, so early, but I will say it is the National League West. So you have a young upcoming Padres team that's getting up to a great start. I thought it was maybe smoke and mirrors watching them in their first series that they played. They won two out of three there. You see the Rockies off to a terrific start. They have a three-game winning streak, one of the hottest teams in baseball. The Dodgers, who we just talked about with Kershaw, and just they're just loaded, and they have a commitment to winning, so you always look for the Dodgers there. And then the Giants, who not not supposed to be any good, they're even five and six, and they're playing better baseball than I thought uh, as well. So out of all, you know, again, sample size through the first 11-plus games, I will say the National League West. All right, Hood. You always have this gift of being able to tell early on in a baseball season who has the pixie dust over them. So let's pull out the hood armor. What do you know through 10 games about 
this basically baseball season in certain teams. I know that Derek Jeter is not very good as a front facing executive for the Marlins. I know that that's uh, maybe that was already known from last year. I, I just, I don't understand what he's doing there in, uh, in Miami. He's got somehow turn that around just from a PR standpoint and from a team standpoint. I know that the twins can mash. We know we had 308 uh, home runs last year. We'll see what the Twins do this year. So far, so good. Uh, Otani as a hitter probably is something that's going to be in the. It's going to be something that we'll continue to watch. But him as a pitcher, maybe not so much. Uh, I would say Manfred, uh, surprisingly, has slipped uh, below Bettman as a commissioner in in sports. I mean, I I never thought I would give Bettman praise for what he's doing in the National Hockey League with that bubble, but I believe Manfred has slipped underneath Bettman uh, in that regard. So those are amongst the things I've seen. Oh, and I feel bad about the Braves pitching staff. Uh, That's not going well at all uh, for them, and they're on the top of the National League East, but that's not going to last because they have no pitching. So that's amongst the things that I know. Not much, but I know that much at least. That's your five for five, Hood. Five for five right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Now, tomorrow, we will lead you into White Sox baseball as they take on the Brewers. That'll be a 635 pregame with Mark Chanowski and a 710 pitch with uh, Andy Mazur as well as Darren Jackson. That is on the 5th on Wednesday. Make sure that you're with us for the baseball show on the 5th. At 6 o'clock, right after Wallen and Sylvie. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well at ESPN MLB Show, at ESPN MLB Show, the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. In two minutes, under the hood, Jonathan Hood. You've been listening to the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. If you miss something, you can always get the podcast on your time. Click the baseball show tile on the new ESPN Chicago app. Join us weeknights at 6 for the baseball show, presented by the Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000.